Hello and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. I'm your host Mary Jo and today I have the lovely Orla O'Flaherty on to chat about female health and hormones. So uh, Orla is a herbalist and naturopath um, with a big emphasis on female health. Uh, she's a great Instagram account which supports and shows really good content around uh, herbs, um, nutrition, lifestyle, just kind of general advice as well. So it's a really good page to follow. Um, so we're going to chat about a few things today covering um, PMS, um, PMDD, which I've actually got a few requests to chat about. So I'm really looking forward to having Orla to, uh, talk more about this. Uh, we'll cover some nutrition um, supplements and herbs as well. And um, other things will probably come up as well as they usually do. But um, I'll pass it over to you, Orla, now to I suppose, introduce yourself and also to say thank you for coming on as well. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I love coming on and talking about all things female health and wellness and I'm a talker, so I, I tend to waffle. So feel free to rein me in if I go off and tangent because it, it does tend to happen with me. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on. So, and we were just chatting beforehand, and I was like, yeah, just, I'll go into a bit about being a naturopath and a herbalist, and and what got me into it. Well, like I've always had a huge interest in natural medicine. Um, I grew up in a family where. We, we use natural medicine from a very young age. Um, my mother, she, my mother had me at a, at a homeopath, uh, well, first at a, um, a herbalist when I was, I think, 14, 15, and then into homeopathy. And like, we've used different modalities all throughout the years. Um, and when I was, I can't remember if I, if I was 15 or 16, but I had really bad uh, periods from the get-go. So I started my cycles when I was, I think I was towards the end of nine hitting 10 or as just turned to, I was very young. Mm -hmm. And that's what we know now is a sign for gynecological problems down the line, starting your menstrual cycle so early. So I've always had a, not a battle but like there's always been a struggle when it came to my periods um especially as as a teenager and I remember my being referred to a gynae and it was the first time I'd ever heard the term endometriosis and I had a clue what it was I was sitting in the office and she said this to me and I was like okay fine whatever and I looked at my mom and her face had dropped and she oh. went and I was like oh shit something's not right here so got out to the care and I was like what what's wrong and she explained to me that it was someone who someone who's close to us within the family who has it and straight away my heart sank because I was like oh my god I'm not going to be able to have kids because I remember like do you know do you remember when you were in school and people would always ask you what you want to be when you grew up uh my answer was always a mother and I was like I want to be a mother I want to have six kids now that has changed since I've had niece. I love my nieces they're my world but I'm like yeah, one or two is enough for me. I don't want six anymore because they're <laughs> tough work. Um, but yeah, so straight away, so from 15, yeah, 15 or 16, um, so that's when kind of the journey started with trying to get my cycles on track. Um, well, not even on track, but sorted because they, it was horrific. Anyone who has any gynecological issues like endometriosis or pelvic inflammatory disease, you know what that pain is like and it's, it's chronic pain and it's chronic exhaustion and when it comes to endometriosis it's finally now like the, the female reproductive system has only been studied within the last 30 to 40 years but even so only in the last less than 20 years where the research is really going yeah. full on into the, um, female health 
Um, but so now we know that the likes of endometriosis is actually linked to autoimmune condition. Um, so it is that chronic inflammation, systemic inflammation and, and looking at gut health and all that. Mm-hmm. But obviously at 15, I didn't know any of that, you know, so I was uh, I was put on the pill to to stop any progression um, of endometrial cysts on the ovaries and whatnot. And it was great. It fixed my periods. It was like, this is brilliant. I was like, I've no period pain. Woohoo. Yeah. And I little did I know really what would happen with going on the pill. That's a that's a long story that we might get into later on. Um, but then I when I started, no, it was before I started college. Um yeah, just before I started college, I, I think I was 23, I came off the pill. I remember it's it's terrible it's not terrible it's funny but I remember hearing uh, an interview on the radio with um uh, somebody who specialized in in hormones and on the pill and in relationships and it was um how or how we pick our partners when we're on the pill um is actually skewed because of the pheromones and the chemicals and we're in a constant luteal phase and I remember at the time my sister was with me and I was like that's why I'm picking such assholes. <laughs> and now, I, in hindsight, I'm like, they weren't assholes. You know, there's whole other different stories. They're lovely guys from my past. But it was just, I, was, I looked at her, I was like, that's it. I'm coming off the and, um, I love how that was your main reason. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Like back then, that was my main reason. And then I think it was that September, I started college and with naturopathy, nutrition, herbal medicine. And the more I learned about how we can heal our bodies through food, supplements, herbs, the more I was like, wow, okay, so I have this condition. So I had had the endos and the cysts and I had I also had a chronic skin condition that covered literally from my neck the whole way down my torso. Um, And I decided to to try out all the massively drastic diets like diets I'd never put any of my clients on but when you're in when you're studying nutrition and yeah you you tend to go down and and trial everything but I ended up um I ended up not fixing but really minimizing the the issues with the, the pain and the chronic inflammation so much so that between the nutrition and then working with a homeopath and a herbalist as well I've I think for like the first year I didn't even know that I was getting my period now they ended up being bang on clockwork every 28 to 32 days but I didn't even know what was coming it was like all of a sudden I could feel it I was like oh shit um but in that's how it should be like we're not meant to suffer with pain we're not meant to have PMS we're not meant to have PMDD um so that was fantastic and there was no looking back after that for me so the more I studied in college the more fascinated I was by the reproductive system, by female health, by by puberty, by PMS, PMDD, endometriosis, PCOS, menopause, even like I menopause fascinates me. Um, and I work with a lot of women who have menopause as well, or who are perimenopausal. Yeah. And then when I started up my practice, I was kind of still just doing general, because when you first start anything, um like I didn't really know anything about having a niche or really focusing in on anything but at the end of the day it was always there the research I was always doing because as you know yourself like you always have to keep up on top of the latest research it was always I was always just drawn to women's health um because again 
like there's just this huge uh what's the word um there's this huge gap when it comes to research in female health and and male health um that gender bias um in in studies for for all health and nutrition it, it's huge so i for me it was i always felt like women women deserve to know how their bodies work yeah. women deserve to know that their bodies aren't meant to be in pain all the time and women have the right not even deserve but women have the right to understand their bodies and being a naturopath one of the first things we were taught in school was one of the main principles of naturopathy is a naturopath is a teacher you're there to teach people and it's it's like that saying that old saying like give a man a fish and he he'll, he'll eat for a day uh, teach a man to fish and he'll never go hungry yeah. it's the same when it comes to health if we can educate each other and if women can educate themselves to know how to go forward and how to reduce health conditions now i'm not saying that the gps and doctors um aren't needed they are 100 i still go to my gp all the time and i have a great relationship with my gp um but if we can all come at it from a, a knowledge point of view, um, I had a discussion with people at the weekend, family members at the weekend, just talking about the likes of the pill and everything and how like what like when it comes to the pill, there, there's two huge things. Um, one, it revolutionized body autonomy for women, which I'm forever grateful for. And yeah. as women, we needed that. Yeah. We still need that today. In, in other areas but like that's something that we're still fighting for yeah um but it so it is fantastic what the pill and other birth control can do but then on the on the flip side it's I feel a lot of women and I think more so our generation of women who would have been put on the pill at a young age in a time when you never questioned yeah. Um, yeah. the doctors and the GPs or anything like that um, that you were given this thing and you just took it mm-hmm. and under the under the guise that it will fix you so I was told this will fix you those words and yeah. whereas in fact what happens with the pill is that if you do have any if you do have any gynecological issues like if you have any problems with your periods before going on the pill what I always say to people and what we all say to people like like the nutritionists, naturopaths, herbalists, acupuncturists, the, the works is expect your periods to go back to how they were pre-pill because the pill doesn't actually quote unquote balance your hormones. It gives you a steady stream of synthetic hormones, which switches off your natural ovulatory cycle. So it switches off your hypothalamic function. Yeah. And once you come off the pill, your hypothalamic function has to kick back in again. And if you're someone who had issues before going on the pill, we're going back to that again. Yeah. And then as well for the likes of now, because I was so young starting my periods and I was 50, I think it might have been 16 when I was put on the pill. I can't fully remember so long ago now. Um, but once you start your menstrual cycle, it takes six years for that to fully mature. Mm-hmm. And a lot of girls are being put on the pill maybe a year, two years, sometimes not even a year after starting their periods. Yeah. So their natural ovulatory cycle has never had that chance to mature. Mm-hmm. Then they're on the pill for the next what? 10 years and 15 20 years and then they come off the pill and they're just expecting their periods to go back to normal and it's like okay i'm coming off the pill because i want to have a baby yeah. um 
it's it's not as cut and dry as that unfortunately no um sorry i ended up going off on one big massive tangent i told you i would yeah no it's all good though it's like it's covering stuff we were going to chat about anyway and i guess like one of the main things I see as well, like you, is the pill being used as the treatment and the fixer for all of these issues. Like, again, like you, similar, I had PCOS from my teenage years and it was given to me. And again, like you, I took it, brilliant, this is amazing. I have a regular period now, it's fixed everything. And then you come off it and you're like, whoa, this is way worse than it was nearly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then you have all that work to do to, to get to the root and underlying cause and like you're doing it later on and yeah like I guess I think you're right in that our generation where we didn't question things whereas now I do think because well it could be social media whatever it is there is a lot more talk about this and that the pill isn't a treatment for these conditions and I suppose younger generations hopefully are questioning things more and looking into things more and speaking up for themselves and being an advocate for them their own health which is so so important um you know, it makes such a difference to your your 20s or 30s and so on if you do that earlier on, I guess, you know. <laughs> 100%, 100%. But like that, and like I said, like the pill has been used as a treatment. Now, yes, it is a treatment, It's a, but it's a symptomatic treatment. It's treating yeah. the symptoms. It's not treating the cause. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking at any health condition to to help the body heal, yeah, you have to be looking at the root cause because yeah. it's it's like... So you have this issue and you're looking over here to fix it over that side, whereas really you have to be going back to the root of it. Yeah. Um, like we can treat, we can support the body by doing symptomatic treatment, but you still have to get in underneath at underneath at the that root cause. Yeah. Be it with endos, PCOS, PMDD. With all of these, we, we have to we have to look at where it all begins and where it all begins is within the glands it's within that hpa axis the hpg axis so they're the two as you know they're the two axes um for your so your hpa axis is your your stress response your hpg axis is your reproductive hormonal response they're both along the same line of the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland um so we need to get in and be focusing on hypothalamic function pituitary function that's where these hormones are produced so we need to go there instead of just being like, okay, what's going on with your estrogen or your progesterone? It, that, that's further down the line. We have to go back. We have to go back to the beginning, which is yeah. that hypothalamic function. Yeah. Okay. So what's, if you're going back to that, then what is your, your approach with looking, supporting hypothalamic and <laughs> function on a yeah. general level, obviously? Um, yeah. 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 On a general level, because again, it is, it's all very much person dependent. Like again, as a herbalist and a naturopath, we always say we treat the person, not the condition. And everybody's body is different. Everybody has a, con- a completely different constitutional yeah. makeup yeah. and everybody reacts and responds differently yeah. to, to different medications, be that allopathic medication or holistic medication. Yeah. So it, again, it is looking at every individual, but to look at the likes of your hypothalamic and pituitary function, we have to see what's going on on a cellular level as well. Um, what sort of foods is it that you're consuming? What sort of environment is it that you're in? When it comes to these issues, it, and again, it's different for different conditions. Uh, yeah. Like there's there's always, not always, but there's also genetic components and then autoimmune components that yeah. we have to take into consideration as well. And again, like with endos, I know endos, there is a huge genetic component yeah. with, with endos. 
Um, with PCOS to a degree, there's a genetic component too. Yeah. Um, so it, it's looking at that and looking at how we can support the body to reduce inflammation. Because yeah. again, with these conditions, really what we're looking at is chronic systemic inflammation. Yeah. And that's caused from, again, lifestyle, diet, environmental factors, but predominantly like the world that we're living in now, unfortunately, there's so many endocrine disruptors. So an endocrine disruptor is something that comes in and literally disrupts um, your hormone production and looking at the likes of our food even. Yeah. So looking at your, your vegetables. So we have what's known as the dirty dozen and the clean 15. The dirty dozen are, and it changes every year, but they're the ones that are most heavily sprayed with herbicides and pesticides and how, how these chemicals work is particularly with pesticides is that they target the reproductive organs of the pests so that they can't reproduce and then that they die off then the residual chemicals of these pesticides are left on our foods and then we're consuming them um one of the biggest sprays out there is is roundup um which is still being used in ireland today and it's it's a known carcinogen it's a known endocrine disruptor um, and you can see it if ever you're driving through the country and you see fields and that the grass is all looks kind of yellow, that's all been spray, sprayed at Roundup. Um, so these foods that are heavily sprayed are causing these endocrine dis- uh, disruptions as well. Um, then looking at what you can do instead then is looking at the clean 15. So they're the 15 foods that are least sprayed uh, or else have a protective outer coating then looking at buying local organic as much as you possibly can yeah um now like i know it can be expensive but the likes of little and aldi they do have great organic sections now yeah. you know so yeah. we, we can eat better quality food on a on a better budget uh it, it's just having to be smart about it so what i say to people is look at your clean 15 look at your dirty dozen look at what ones that you can actually incorporate more and then as well, the likes of the foods that do have that protective outer coating. Um, and then looking at the likes of our water intake, like using plastic bottles, unfortunately, they contain BPAs and phthalates, which are huge endocrine disruptors. They contain xenoestrogens, which mimic your, your estrogen um, cells, which latch onto your estrogen receptor cells. Sorry, I'll try not to go too sciencey. Um, <clears throat> I tend, again, I tend to go off on tangents. Oh. Um, but yeah, so like the likes of these soft plastics they're causing a lot of issues then the likes of um the skincare products yeah makeup like i when i'm using and i and i do use fake time because there are times when i want to look alive and not dead because i have purple skin i'm so pale um (laughs) but like i'll I'll use the the tan organic and i my makeup is uh, mineral makeup and it's just being conscious of making little changes you don't have to do these massive drastic changes it's the little day-to-day things that you can do that make life mm-hmm. once you do consistently that will make life easier yeah. one thing i always say to women as well is like when there's a buildup of excess hormones be it stress hormones or reproductive hormones within the system we have to be focusing on supporting our pathways of elimination yeah. so it's our liver that metabolizes toxins yeah. that metabolizes hormones um we need to make sure that our liver function is up to scratch um by doing that is eating eating all your your dark leafy greens having if you hate vegetables to the point where you're like you're gag trying to eat them 
get a good organic super greens powder that will help with the methylation process and the metabolization process within yeah. the system. And then, so it's the liver that metabolizes these things, but then it's our bowels that excretes them. So yeah. we're basically pooping out our excess hormones, yeah. be it stress hormones, reproductive hormones. So yeah. you have to be making sure that you're eating enough fiber. Like I, I find in the health and fitness industry, I think because I've been in both, now I'm not a personal trainer or anything like that, but I have trained. Yeah. Um, I've trained consistently in the gym for the last seven years and in the health and fitness industry there's loads of different diets that people do for weight loss and all that but one of the ones that kind of annoys me is that if it fits your macros yeah and, and I get it I, I get that looking at body composition and uh all that you, you have to be looking at your macros but what I find is that what tended to what I saw happen a lot now this isn't to say that it's true it's just my perception is that if it fits your macros means that people are off eating pizza every night of the week because it fits their macros and don't get me wrong pizza is my favorite food but like having to look at the quality of your food instead of just the the macronutrients what I'm always looking at is the micronutrients um yes I guess you want body composition but look at your micros because we need to reduce that inflammation yeah. it's your vegetables like all the different colors of the rainbow orange yellow red purple in particular purples and reds are so full of antioxidants and it's antioxidants that are going to reduce inflammation so it's looking at the micronutrients as well as the macros but it, yeah it's the one thing that I find it 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 frustrates me a little not as much as what it used to because I, I've learned to detach but it, it, it does frustrate me to a degree um when yeah, people I would agree with that, that. yeah, yeah just uh, take the emphasis off away from nourishment or nutrition really and just kind of fixing into this like number box thing but like where there's no education I guess like or uh, yeah. education around what you're actually eating you know just following numbers which isn't really a lifestyle change really yeah. you know yeah exactly because like even when you look at now I don't know what the homic syllabus is like now because it's been so many years since mm-hmm. I've done homic, but like they're still using the same food pyramid that they were using back in our day and that food pyramid isn't 100% accurate. Yeah. And as well within that, I because I do remember learning about food in home, ec- home economics. And it was, again, it was your carbs, fats, and proteins. There was nothing about your micronutrients. Yeah. There was nothing about your antioxidants, nothing about your flavonoids, no. your steroidal saponins, nothing at all. So it, it's those areas that we need to be looking at for health. Yeah. Um, it's macros for body composition, micros for body health yeah absolutely and yeah I think again like a lot of what I talk about like health is more than fat loss and weight loss you know (laughs) yeah it is like you can see someone and there's there's a couple of um say influencers that I follow online uh fitness influencers and one of them he's very um he's very blunt and straight to the point um what's his name is James Smith yeah he's so blunt and to the point sometimes I'm a bit like Ooh, we could have said that a little bit nicer um, but at the same time I, do I don't think him. that's his goal he doesn't want it's to not. <laughs> it's not but again you know that's one of the wonderful things in life is that we're all very different people and because if we're all the same it'd be a very boring world yeah but um you know he had up recently about for women and I I couldn't agree with him more he was like unfortunately right now we have this image of the visible abs the visible six-pack as being the image of health yeah when in fact it's not not mm-hmm. for women we have to have extra body fat to be able to support pregnancy yeah. um having visible abs now 
there are people who have amazing genetics and they have that and brilliant yeah. but it's when those images are being when they are being used as help. help yeah 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 and when it, it's it's really not the case uh we we have to remember that as women that we have to have that extra bit of fat yeah, yeah. Um, and that there's nothing wrong with the extra bit of fat um and as well another thing is the likes of cellulite i so many women who like i do my weekly q a's and i'm so many women asking how do i get rid of cellulite i'm like you learn to love it yeah. like, you have to learn to love your cellulite because we all have it yeah everybody has it mm-hmm. it is part of our makeup we yeah. it, it's it's not something that can be fully gotten rid of um but I feel that and again it's easier said than done now for me when I'm heading towards oh, I hate even saying this I'm heading towards mid-30s um but like when I was younger it's like I I couldn't look at it whereas now I'm like I look at my legs in the mirror and I'm like okay you're part of me I love you and but it's learning to try to accept yourself I know it can be hard and it is easier said than done the more work you've done in it over the years like but it is a work in progress it's not something it that overnight like it really is no, no it's not, not a work exactly you ha- you ha- it's that continual self de- it's a, not self-development but that continual self-love and self-care a lot um, of talking to yourself kindly is key like yeah. it's really key to kind of retrain or re um rewire those neural pathways I guess that are conditioned to thinking this is so bad like we all put on weight now and again it's so natural and um, but again like we all can be our own worst critics too so it's you have to have that conscious effort to say actually it's okay gain some weight doesn't mean I'm a worse person I've had fun in the process blah 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 you know yeah. looking at the other benefits to the weight gain which there is yeah. you know what I mean and then yeah yeah no a hundred percent hundred percent agree with you because like I I know I joke I well I, I don't know I was joking about the whole quarantine 15 because I put on the quarantine 15 and but really there was one day and I said it and laughed and then I actually sat back and was like I actually have to stop saying that to myself yeah because that's not beneficial for me and my self-worth and the one thing I found myself saying it just popped into my head it was like I am I am not just my body I, my worth is not just within my body there are other aspects of me yeah I am still worthy I am still lovable and it was when I sat back and kind of heard myself saying it again the quarantine 15 and I was like oh shit and I could feel it in my core that it was actually a problem for me and I was like okay no I have to look at this now and start giving myself a bit of self-love and a bit of self-care and learning to be okay with it but it was that one thing that I kept saying to myself was that um my worth is more than just my body yeah. uh, and it was that that kind of pulled me out of it after I realized what I was saying to myself all the time yeah. um but it, it's true for all of us our, our worth does not lie in just one area be it your face or your body or your sexual prowess or whatever like yeah. it's yeah. you're a whole person with many you're many many different facets like so yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah, no, I think, no, it's really anyone going through any sort of weight loss process or journey should, that's probably one of the best pieces of advice to like be kind to yourself through the process because yeah, like you'll have up and down weeks and, you know, life gets in the way and that's okay. So like, it's just learning to see this not as just a, an end goal of like 12 weeks yeah. as well and things like that like yeah. oh, this is for life and that you will fluctuate I yeah. say that like we're not meant to say the 60 kg or whatever for the rest of our lives we're not like we're meant to go up and down it's very very normal and yeah. um, so yeah that's really good advice there though and um, 
what I was going to get to next is the PMS and PMDD. So firstly, like, like you, I agree that it's, these are very normal. I mean, sorry, these are very common, but they're not normal to have these. Um, do you want to talk first? I think we'll talk about PMDD first um, and maybe explain that, uh, what it is, the difference between it and PMS, premenstrual syndrome. Um, and yeah, because it, it is, it can be a lot more severe in terms of its um, yeah. symptoms. Yeah, so there, the difference between PMS, so PMS is premenstrual syndrome. PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric, or dysphoric disorder. And the difference, it's basically PMDD is PMS on steroids. And it, it's just, the symptoms of it are horrific for women. So what will happen, and there's a lot of women out there who have this, but it's undiagnosed. Yeah. And so PMS, typically you will have your PMS symptoms, be it swollen breasts, bloating, bit of mood swings, bit of up and down, bit of weight fluctuation, bit of water retention for maybe five to 10, 10 days at a push, really push it. Like 10 days is the, is the upper limit of say PMS. With PMDD, you have these symptoms plus feelings of or you would have intrusive thoughts suicidal thoughts um some hormonal psychosis and you will get relief for a week so the week that you have your period is usually the week where you get relief from the symptoms and then they all start creeping back in again straight away so it can happen it can happen before ovulation for some predominantly it's after ovulation what causes pms and pmdd is typically higher levels of estrogen and lower levels of progesterone yeah and again we're looking at what's causing that Mm -hmm. in currently right now and again like look we're in a we're still we're still in a pandemic we're still coming we're only coming out of the pandemic or we're still in it Mm -hmm. for the last 19 nearly 20 months Cortisol is one of the leading factors or leading causes for low progesterone because cortisol, cortisol strips excess or not excess, cortisol strips your progesterone from, from the system and in turn uh, can turn it into estrogen and that, that goes up oh, yeah. what's happening and that's what's causing. So it's the excess cortisol, it's the excess stress hormones that are causing the, the imbalance in the estrogen and the progesterone. Either that or else if you're not ovulating, if you won't, your, our main supply of progesterone is once you've ovulated. Yeah. So progesterone is produced in the corpus luteum, which is yeah. the structure that's left after ovulation, after the egg has, has, has been released. Um, and if you're not consistently ovulating, like for anyone who has PCOS where ovulation may not happen for months at a time, your progesterone levels are automatically going to be down on the floor, which again is going to be one of the causes for PMDD. And so it is looking at, again, supporting the liver and bowel pathways, supporting the the nervous system and the adrenal glands. Because if you're in a chronic, sorry, if you're in a chronic state of stress where your cortisol and your adrenaline and noradrenaline are being pumped out over and over and over, your body's not getting a chance to actually metabolizing clear these excess um stress hormones um it's so yeah it's all about supporting again the pathways of elimination i can't stress the importance of your liver and bowel health they're they're the two your liver and bowel health for excreting excess hormones 
but really looking at your nervous system and your adrenal glands for nourishment and seeing what you can do to support them. What I'm finding right now with a lot of the gynecological problems is stress being the main cause of it. Um, so looking at what you can do to help with stress. It's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell everybody that they should go and meditate because I can't meditate. I have tried and it doesn't work for me. And so I don't do it. What I do is I either do uh, yoga or my my weights um, because I have to be mindful that yeah. it's mindful movement for me. So that switches me off. What I do is deep breathing exercises. I go out, I do grounding. I go barefoot in the grass for five minutes because that in itself is helping to, to regulate your, your nervous system. Um, looking at, again, looking at foods that are going to support your nervous system. The likes of oats, root vegetables. Um, yeah, what else? I know all this, but I just, my mind yeah, is going right now. <laughs> but yeah, so the likes of your oats and your root vegetables, they're what, they're, they're going to help to strip out the excess cortisol. So your sweet potato, carrots, parsnips, turnip, uh, beetroot. Beetroot is so beneficial for women because the antioxidants that are in it, they're huge. Um, so it's, it's looking at trying to incorporate those kind of foods in. Yeah. And then as well, making sure that you're having enough healthy fats yeah. because especially with PMDD, when you're having any sort of um, very intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. or any hormonal psychosis, we really, really, really have to nourish the brain. And it's very similar for women who suffer with postnatal depression. Uh, there's, there's been links to low levels of DHA, yeah. which is an, an essential fatty acid. So it's making sure that your, your DHA and your EPA levels are up. So you're getting these from your omega-3, 6, and 9, predominantly your omega-3. Um, so looking at your healthy fats, looking at wild, uh, I emph- emphasis on the wild oily fish, um, even organic salmon, unfortunately, uh, it's with the, the way they're farmed, it's, um, they, they have, again, I hate saying this because people hate me when I say this, but unfortunately farmed salmon contains a lot of what's called sea lice. Yeah. And then they're given antibiotics and pesticides to kill them off. And yeah. yeah, so it's it's looking at your wild oily fish, your wild salmon, trout, mackerel. We're very lucky in Galway. Um, we can get mackerel here. Um, and would that be the same for the mackerel and the trout as well to be wild? Or would they be, or how are they farmed? Yeah, mackerel, especially here in Ireland, because we, we have such an abundance of it, that's typically wild. Okay. Um, not farmed um with the trout and the salmon you really have to be looking at the wild if you can now tesco do sell wild salmon um i think it's wild alaskan salmon uh it's that little bit more expensive and it's in the frozen section but still it's still better if it's wild it's better than buying organic farmed okay yeah So, so looking at the likes of that your essential fatty acids from your wild fish and then from the likes of your avocado your olive oils, your nuts, seeds, nuts and seeds in particular as well, because they're high in zinc and zinc is really important for ovulatory function. Um, so even the likes of your, your pumpkin seeds, like pumpkin seeds yeah. is so rich in zinc. Um, yeah. So you're getting your healthy fats as well as your zinc from, from the yeah. likes of your pumpkin seeds, adding them into your porridge in the morning yeah. or if you make porridge bread, that's what I do. I make porridge bread and I throw my pumpkin seeds in with that. So I know that I'm getting my, my zinc containing food then in the morning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for really, it's kind of the same advice for both PMDD, PMS, 
and um, mostly anyway but then I guess mostly herbs and things like that you might look at then yeah because when it, when we're looking at PMDD so like again I can only really give really general kind yeah. of guidance because uh, it's all very person dependent yeah but let's say well no yeah I do I have a couple of clients who do suffer with PMDD and yeah. so what we're looking at there the protocols that I'm looking at there is really supporting the again the pathways of elimination yeah. uh looking at mineral uh vitamin and mineral deficiencies yeah. predominantly what we're what i'm seeing again this is with the clients that i'm working with is um very low levels of iron very low levels of um b12 and b6 mm-hmm. uh, and b9 so your folate yeah and again the likes of the not having enough um omegas within the diet so supplement wise the protocol i usually go with for pmdd is a methylated b complex the reason for the methylated is because it's at its most purest form um whereas when it's not methylated it has to go through five stages of methylation to get to it and you end up losing a lot so get a methylated b complex um your zinc again for ovulatory function to make sure that you are ovulating to produce your progesterone and your magnesium for the nervous system so magnesium is the most utilized mineral within the body and when we're stressed it's just completely stripped out and you know that saying when you're wiry when you're feeling nervy and you're wiry it's basically like your nervous system is exposed the way I describe it is like when you look at a wire that outer coating is called like for within the nervous system is known as the myelin sheath and we need magnesium to produce that so making sure that you're getting adequate amounts of magnesium and then your essential fatty acids. So why uh, I love BioCare. I think BioCare is one of the best brands that's out there. Um, don't be buying your supplements from the supermarket because it's full of fillers and it's full of crap. Uh, and you're just wait, you're literally wasting your money on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, methylated B complex, um, your essential fatty acids, your zinc, and then I'm always looking at the gut because we have the it's within the gut where again we are producing not producing but we are um, uh, the 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 estrogen uh, biome is what it's known as so it's like the if you have excess estrogen and it's flowing around the system it can become uh very corrosive on the gut lining okay it's the same with the pill it's um the estradiol within the pill is quite corrosive on the lining of the gut which means that you're going to be not able to absorb your vitamins and minerals as best as we'd actually want so looking at probiotics now i'm i'm not someone who's pro probiotics all the time yeah there is a place for them for a short period of time because there's been more research done to suggest that um long-term use of probiotics actually inhibits your your own natural production of your uh your good gut bacteria so the longer that you're on them the less your body's gonna be able to produce its own good gut bacteria yeah what i do is i when i have clients who have the likes of pmdd and they typically tend to have gut issues as well is that i'll put them on a a good probiotic um for a course of six to eight weeks just to get some good gut bacteria in there but Mm -hmm. then after that we take it out and we're going in with food yeah. The supplements are there to supplement. We should be getting all these things from our food anyway, but when there's an issue with the gut, we're not absorbing our nutrients. Yeah. So what I'll do then is I'll be bringing in 
the likes of your fermented foods, your sauerkraut your, and your kimchi. They're your, your two best ones, particularly kimchi in Ireland because it's so yeah. cold and damp and kimchi there has, it has the warming spices and aromatics in okay. it. So it's going to be easier for you to digest here in okay. Ireland. Um, so start get, and there's more microbes, there's more beneficial microbes in one spoon of sauerkraut or kimchi than there is in an actual probiotic supplement. Yeah. So but in the beginning, because the likes of sauerkraut and kimchi can be quite hard to digest, we need you need to go in nice and slow. So I won't be sitting down eating a full jar of sauerkraut. No, no. Yeah, what we actually say um, is to start off with a spoon of the a teaspoon of the juice a day, and then start building it up to a teaspoon of the actual kraut itself. Okay. Um, so that can take time. So that's why we'd start off with the probiotic supplement first, and then go in with the with the fermented foods after that, mm-hmm. and then herbal wise. I'm looking at hormone modulators straight away. Anyone who has PMDD, I have to look at hormone modulators. Hormone modulators are herbs that work directly on the hypothalamus, like we were talking about earlier on. Yeah. So we have to look at that hypothalamic function. Herbs, in particular, the first one anyone that comes to mind is Vitex agnus castus. Yeah. Um, so that works directly on hypothalamic function yeah. and balances the the estrogen progesterone and gets the the GnRH production. Um, to send the rest of the signals for the FSH and the LH. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm always looking at hormone modulators, be it Vitex, be it um, Simis, sorry, uh, are, I always have them in Latin in my head. It was drilled into us in Latin um, in college, so I always have to yeah. try and convert to the English. Um, uh, black cohosh. Uh, unfortunately, black cohosh it is a restricted herb here in Ireland and it can only be prescribed by herbalists or doctors there's a few herbs that are restricted like that so for my clients yes I can yeah totally 100% prescribe them these herbs but um it's, you, you do need to go to a herbalist um for certain hormone modulators okay but yeah the, the likes of vitex black cohosh uh wild jams and um ladies mantle all these different herbs so we're looking at the hormone modulators but then we're also looking again at that stress response because a lot of the time the root cause is stress it's excess cortisol too yeah so we have to look at the likes of adaptogenic herbs the likes of ashwagandha siberian ginseng um uh shizandra to a degree um then asparagus as fantastic uh, female Mm -hmm. adaptogenic herb okay Um, but we just have to be again it's all very person specific so two i which i do actually have like i have two different women with the same say quote-unquote condition but they both have completely different formulas because we're looking at what suits their constitution best when you talk about stress do you want to just kind of talk about what that might be because I think when people think stress they might it they just have their their own ideas of it but like it can look very different and it could be just you know not sleeping enough or alcohol intake maybe could even be a stressor on the body you know like so what's your what do you see maybe with stressors that are quite um, prominent with your clients who have hormonal issues? Maybe what would, what would be typical stressors in their lives? Everyone's going to be so different, but yeah. And and that's the thing. Everybody is different. We all, we all take stress on in a different way. And it's, it's so funny. Like, like I, with my clients, like I really have to go into the mental, emotional side of things. But it's funny, the amount of times that I ask them, so what's your stress levels like? And they're like, oh, I'm not stressed, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, I have to reword this and I'll I'll leave it, I'll go off and then I'll come back. And I'm like, what's your sleep like? Yeah. Uh, I find it hard to go off to sleep and I find it hard to stay asleep. I'm like, okay, okay. What time are you waking at? 
And um, predominantly it's they're waking between four and 5 a.m. And that's when your cortisol levels start coming up. So that's a key indicator that your stress hormone cortisol is already high. Mm-hmm. And once it starts rising, it, you're, it's waking you from your slumber. So that, that's a sign straight away that your, your cortisol adrenaline is up there. So once, once we get to that, I'm like, okay, so this is what this is. Um, what's going on in life? Uh, is it like a, a, for a lot of, and again, looking at the last year and a half, it's people working from home, yeah. people working from home who have kids yeah. and they're trying to multitask. Like yeah. I've, I've been I, I've done podcasts in this room that I'm sitting in right I'm in my parents house right now again because my laptop is banjax yeah, yeah. um but and I've had my nieces in the other room and it's like literally I'm like you have to lock that kitchen door because it, they'll be in on top of me yeah uh, and no there for them <laughs> no, no it's like it's here. yeah it's like Andy is here let's go to like no I'm working and they're like play with me so like people have been going through that yeah and as well we're also looking at the likes of like what you said the likes of alcohol consumption alcohol yeah. consumption went through the roof over lockdown and I, i'm not on my high horse here i'm not up my high horse i was the same uh, and i was because for a time when it first happened it was like ah yeah sure it's only two weeks yeah and Not then the first one, week, and there, and then. Like, it's another two weeks it's another two weeks it's another two weeks and that in itself was a huge stress on people than not knowing yeah so, yeah it was massive yeah I, I read a really interesting um report on on NICAP about uh how we're in a global state a global state of PTSD yeah um and, and people don't realize how traumatic the last year and a half has been on their been on them and where everyone's holding that within their nervous system. Like all trauma is held within the nervous system. Yeah. And it's it's learning to have to self-regulate again. Yes. I think it, 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 that's it, it's self, self-regulation. Yeah. And it can be really hard to do when you don't have those tools. Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky. Like I've and I'm very open about speaking about this. Um that I've I've all, I've done therapy on and off since I was a teenager, but I went back to therapy just over a year ago but I started a new therapy called known as somatic therapy okay. so that's working on the on the nervous system and it, it helps to release trauma from the body okay. so we as human beings we carry our trauma within our nervous system and it's and again within our nervous system where the cortisol adrenaline everything yeah. is raised um so it, it's I got to learn the, the tools through that on how to self-regulate again yeah. but for people like there's so many different stresses work life relationships global pandemics yeah even for women our age who are like this is one of the biggest stressors that i see for literally trying to conceive is can be one of people's biggest stressor that two-week wait people have a two-week wait every single month and they're so stressed just hoping and praying like maybe this maybe this month maybe this month i know for when i have fertility clients i'm like i need you to stop trying like actively not have sex on your fertile days for three months because your stress levels are too high you're not going to conceive I know yeah it's um it's so hard with fertility clients like it's because you know stress is such a huge influence but then telling them not to stress I feel like such a so patronizing I'm just like just don't stress but like it's such an important part of it like it really is oh huge 
huge part of it main part of it really like I, I try to say like do more like date nights fun things like make yourself laugh again really because it's just their whole life becomes this for like yeah. trying to conceive and it's like they stop being who they were before they stop really living it's kind of like waiting until that time yeah. to be happy yeah. again that kind of analogy so it really takes away from their life right now so yeah massively so and I'm the exact same as you I'm like when I'm talking to my clients I'm like okay before I used to be like we need to you know we need to bring the intimacy back we need to yeah. you need to have sex for fun and yeah. get rid of the regiment of it get rid of yeah. i'm ovulating let's go because like that's not sexy no simple as i always um, think of that episode in friends with monica and she's just like i'm ovulating it's just like yeah. it's just so clinical like we have to and, do it. and that's it it's yeah. so clinical and so robotic yeah and i'm like we we need to bring the joy back in we need to bring that intimacy back in and that connection because before a baby ever comes year still partners and if if you end up resenting each other and then it's it's not happening and it's just going to be a disaster so before and like yourself I I used to hate saying it like John you have to stop stressing because it 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 feels so condescending yeah Whoa. <laughs> are you back yeah I'm back I don't know what happened there sorry don't know either I don't know if it was you or me but <laughs> um that's never happened before so we'll just keep going and <laughs> I'll try and like edit this out if I can <laughs> um, and if not yeah oh. whatever it's real um but you were saying um I think it is my <laughs> so maybe we should um cut this off soon enough because I think it could be my internet but you were saying it feels uh, condescending and um, about stress and all that yeah I, that's how yeah I, yeah I yeah I feel like I'm, I'm very condescending saying to couples to stop to to just um stop stressing so in, instead what like for the first while for the first couple of months, I'm like, look, we need to try and get that connection back between you, get that intimacy back. Yeah. But then once you kind of reach, rich, once we kind of reach that two, three month mark where it's still a predominant factor, I'm like, you have to like actively not have sex on your fertile days for three months because you're putting yourself under so much stress with that two week wait every single yeah. month. And yeah. as well, you're becoming so disconnected from each other that it, it's more important to get that connection back. Mm-hmm. Um and just get rid of that stress and then you can move forward yeah yeah no absolutely I I would be 100% the same I I think that's I've interesting just to tell them to stop having sex is probably like not what they'd expect to hear and when going through a fertility journey but like do you what what would you say for someone maybe in their their 40s to do that like would that be the same advice or would they would it be the same advice for them even though they might panic with time and think yeah yeah I I have given that advice um to a few women in their 40s and and look yes 100% they panic and when I say to them I'm like I'm going to say this to you and I know that you're going to freak out and you're going to panic 
So you don't have to act all fine and dandy. You're allowed to freak out and panic. And if you want to fuck me out of it, excuse my French, I'm like, you can fuck me out of it. And we, we'll just, we'll talk through it. We'll talk yeah. through the process of it. Yeah. And they have done, they, they've ended up doing it. Now for some, they they do it, but then they're like, okay, so we're not trying, but then they'll go and they'll have sex. And like, hmm, maybe because we're not trying, yeah, it'll yeah. have worked. I'm like, no, no, you have to actively not try. It's like, stop having sex. Um, have have sex for fun. It's like, but don't have it for procreation reasons right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then they have, they've done it. And um, like, I've, yeah, there, there's been some some great success rates. Right. You know? um, I'm not saying that's the only thing that yeah, that's no, I know. Yeah, yeah. causing conception or whatever anything like that like just whole other different factors but like once you can once you can take the stress away when there's no actual physiological condition there like when there's no endos there's no pcos there's yeah. no yeah. um id there there's no sperm issues motility yeah. issues that's when we're looking at the mental emotional side and that's when you have to really pull back yeah yeah okay well, I think we covered a load there today and um, uh, unlocked a lot for people, which will be really helpful and um, like so much information there that they'll take from that. Uh, even I got loads from it, which is great. So like, I love that with these podcasts, I always take something from them myself as well. Um, but thank you, Orla, for coming on. That was so good. So enjoyable. Um, for people to check or follow you, you're on Instagram. Uh, what's your handle again? Yeah, it's Orla. So it's Orla underscore naturopath underscore herbalist okay i will put it on the notes so people can follow you and um yeah again for working with you if they wanted to do anything as well um you're based in do you do online or is it all face-to-face or how's that working now? no so because of because of covid yeah it all went online so it did so i do online um i do one-to-ones online and then i i also do i have a, an online women's wellness course that i that I do every few months so the next one is out in January and that's really specifically for women who have the likes of PMS PMDD those things where like you get all the information around all female your your entire reproductive system but also your your emotional um your emotional well-being stress anxiety all that so yeah that's a a six to eight week course yeah there'll be another one in January yeah okay that sounds really good um of course myself (laughs) I'm afraid that it's breaking up. So I really want, I'm going to end this now because I don't want to lose any of you. And just in case, but thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can leave a review on iTunes. That'd be great. And like, and share this episode on Instagram. So more people can hear Orla and hear all about her uh, amazing knowledge that she has. And um, I think it's really important for people to hear these types of episodes. So thank you again. And I will chat to you soon.